We have another incredible advocate and social justice leader in our community here with us. Emily Evans is the executive director of the Women's Foundation of Oregon. Welcome, Emily. Happy to be here. You can never have too many Emilys, right? No. Every because, sports team you were ever on, right? Like there was Emily 1, Emily 2, Emily 3. I didn't have that. No? No. I came from a small town. I have Emilys after me, but I was kind of... There were Emilys who were much older in my community, and then me, and then a few after me. I, I was only Emily in my class. Oh, I grew up across the street from an Emily who had the same first and last name as me. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was a little identity crisis That's for young intense. Emily. Yeah. That's <laughs> so tell us about the Women's Foundation of Oregon. What do you do? What do you care about? Yeah. What well, are you getting done? Well, we are Oregon's only public foundation dedicated to getting rid of gender oppression in Oregon. And we uh, do that through grant making, through building community, through gathering and sharing information. Um, any way we can disrupt the patriarchy, we're into it. I love that. What is that? What is that? What's a typical day look like for you? Oh, Dismantling man. the patriarchy. Yeah, you know, everything from radio shows to uh, signing checks to making sure we have appropriate insurance to <laughs> giving a keynote. It really runs the gamut. We're about to embark on um, some really new uh, grant making that's really dedicated to grassroots uh, organizing in communities, particularly intersectional communities that often are wildly under-resourced, women of color, queer and trans women, rural women. Um, this is going to be really exciting. And then we're going to be revisiting our sort of seminal report on how women and girls are doing in Oregon called Count Her In. It's just about to hit its five-year anniversary, which is about the time the data should be refreshed. So we're planning to hopefully see some progress and also a lot of trappings of how patriarchy is alive and strong here in Oregon. Mm. How do we... Um how do we look in the economic development space? Um, that's something that uh, in my professional world we've been talking about with, within certain communities because there is that sort of space of, okay, you've given us all of these funds and that's great. And how are we economically developing communities that have, have, have been shorted resources for so long? Yeah. Um, and so what does that look like um, from the women's lens? I think it, it's a question fundamentally of scale. Right. Like we have um, the the for just for some scale for folks, the corpus of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the biggest foundation in the world, is equal to only one year of the state of California's Department of Ed budget. So one state, one year, one department. So when we're talking about private philanthropy in particular, we are wildly disproportionately small compared to public dollars. So I think the role of philanthropy, um, which is also an oppressive institution grounded in racism and sexism, so we can talk about that too, but in the role of resource redistribution, smaller funders, um, I think need to be focused both on ameliorating immediate needs and on these systemic issues that really pave the way for a massive redistribution of wealth from public dollars. I don't think there will be ways to sort of chip away quietly at under-resourced communities in terms of economic development, like a little startup grant here or, um, you know, a, an emergency funds here. They're going to help, you know, take away some of the immediate sting and pain, but they're not going to overhaul the systems that we need at the level that we need to, given generations of systemic oppression and designed systems for keeping people out and down. So what's the system redesign? I mean, I think about yeah. that a lot, too. It's like, what's How the, do we get there? Beyond uh, blowing it up completely, which would leave a lot of people out of the space, like, what's what's the, if we're just saying Portland, like, what's the, what's the redesign start to look like? Yeah, well, I think you got to start with the designers. Because when you look at, you know, for instance, our city council um, or the other folks uh, in positions of, of power, privilege, and resource uh, allocation, their analysis has to be better. 
Otherwise, we're going to continue to get the same designs or any redesign is going to perpetuate the same problem. So I think it's about either getting different designers in power or pretty drastically improving the analysis of the people who are currently in power. Because that's, that's, you know, the system right now is producing exactly what it was designed to produce, which is more patriarchy, more more racism, um, and fewer people at the table able to have a shot at taking care of themselves and their families. Hmm. Is the analysis there? Like, are there data, is the analysis there? Are there data sources? Is there information that's available? It's just not reaching leaders? Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, it's there if the leaders want it. You know, I think it's one of the... We don't need to start and create data systems and and then we've got the the information we need. I mean, particularly women of color, um, black women, queer and trans women of color, they've had the analysis for decades. We Mm -hmm. just haven't been listening. It's the takeaway for me from 2019 is... Um, you can you can talk all you want, but if um, if those internal earplugs are in, nothing's going to get through. So I think it's a it's a matter of message and messenger and urgency that we create at the community level to see uh, changes and shifts, which I think you're starting to see. Um, you know, if you if you look at, for instance, city council or PPS or any of our other public systems, the heads of philanthropy, I think we're seeing a, a gradual shift, and we just have to be more and more vocal about lifting that up. I wish PPS would pay their school board members so that actually people who that oh, would actually yeah. be their job. That's my that's my little baby oh, man. favorite thing. That's so real. Same in the legislature. They get such a such a modest stipend, which then people are like, oh, that means it's a you know, it's a citizen legislature. And I'm like, no, what that means is the only people who can afford to be in the legislature are either independently wealthy, retired, or have a job that allows them to take off half the year. Yep. And that mostly means old straight white dudes. Mm-hmm. How did you come to this work, Emily? Ooh, I moved home to Oregon about six years ago, and I uh, was working remotely for a think tank in D.C. at the time, and um, the the job posting came out for the Women's Foundation, and within, like, a day, I think I had four or five people email me and be like, this seems right at the intersection of all the stuff you care about. <laughs> Oregon, gender justice, resource, resource redistribution, and I was like, well, that does seem like me. And here I am. And it's definitely been the professional privilege of my life to get to be with this organization. How long have you been in the role? Oh, five and a half years. And oh man, I look back at the picture I took like my first week, and I'm like, oh, that, that doesn't look recent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, all right. Have you ever seen those where you go to a keynote and somebody puts up their headshot, and you're like, oh, all right, <laughs> it's been kind of a rough five years for you. <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. But it's been it's been a joy. Uh, lots of ups and downs, but it's been pretty incredible. As you look at the next five years, what are you looking forward to? What do you want to see get done in the next five years? Well, my hope is that we focus more and more on this analysis of of the designers. I think we have a real um, opportunity in Oregon. Our size as a state and the access that we have to decision makers is not like, you know, California or Texas or New York, where you just need a certain order of magnitude larger in in order to be able to play. And I think we have real tremendous access here. And I think that's something that we've established as an organization. There's no real reason why most of the legislators in Salem should know who we are. Like four women like pecking away at like like the patriarchy you know in, in northwest portland but but they do and i think we it's incumbent upon us to leverage that access and relevance into making sure that our designers um are, are better equipped to design a more equitable system mm. but even if we have access so i i agree I, I i've often told friends in other places the 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 what is it kevin bacon six degrees is like a half of a degree here (laughs) but it sometimes it seems that even though we have that half of a degree we are we're not able to get anywhere whether it's Mm -hmm. um voices louder 
um, that want to keep it the same and so the, the, the requirement is the same. Um, how do you feel like that degree of separation has helped you? Because I, I often find it infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think, I don't know, I guess the celebrating the little the, like the little wins, um, and and I do think when we talk about these systems of of oppression, like it calls to mind, you know, just like a row of like white straight old men in suits, you know, and you know maintaining the status quo with wealth and power, which is certainly the case. Um, and I think we also, if if we focus only on that, we lose track of the small little things that we get to do on a daily basis within our own sphere of influence, no matter how modest, that does disrupt racism, patriarchy. I mean, Mm -hmm. every time we choose to tip the hotel housekeeper in addition to the bellhop, you know, every time we choose to speak about rape or sexual assault in the active voice rather than the passive voice, um, every Mm -hmm. time we choose to compliment a a colleague on their work performance rather than their appearance, you know, every time you don't force your uh, nephew or niece to give you a hug even though they're just so cute and all you want to do is squeeze them yeah. I mean I just have to say on the complimenting though can't we do both because I am so into complimenting other people <laughs> and their good shoe or their cute haircut or their great jacket like that's my <laughs> that's my one like can I hold on to that because <laughs> the, the thing that black women do best is tell each other how good they look <laughs> And, and it, so I would like to keep that one if I, I can. I feel like that is a black women's prerogative. <laughs> I've, I've, or all women's I've prerogative, like, but yeah, especially yeah, yeah. like I, I, it's funny because my office is mostly women. And so it's fun um, to come in on a day and like hear people be like, that's a cute new sweater. That's a this, that's a that, that's a what. And it, it, it brings me a lot of joy. And I think there are a couple of folks that are like, why do they do that? And I, and I wonder if that's kind of a unique space to for certain folks oh, to just totally. be able to do that sort of ele- that elevating piece of it reminds me of Michelle Obama how people used to be like but she's smart and I'm like she's smart and you can tell her her nails look cute like I don't know why we separate <laughs> anyway sorry diversion keep going no no I think I think that's key because context matters right yeah, like yeah. like if you are you know if you're a woman of color talking to another woman of color on staff with equal power it's different than like the CEO of a company like marching into the elevator and doing like a quick boob scan and then complimenting 100%. people on their sweaters you know 100%. like different different yeah. yeah and I and I, and I bring that up because I'd love to do it, but also because I think about um, when we have loud people like Bill Maher, right, who's just, ugh, I'm done. Go home. I'm over it. Chris <laughs> Matthews got fired. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Enjoy but, your retirement. It, but, he, but, you know, again, people with power try to put it in that context of like, I'm not allowed to breathe and now I'm going to get fired and all of that things. And like, so how do we contextualize that conversation so it's like, no, it's okay that I really like Emily's I believe you shirt. It's a great shirt. But make you know, under helping folks understand its nuance and it's not, you know. There's a difference between staring at a girl's breasts and telling her her, her shoes are cute, right? Like how do we totally navigate that? I think it starts with with like deep self-awareness of the skin you're in, the body you're in, the privilege and power you hold and how you wield that in your, you know, day-to-day life. I had someone from uh, a, a 
TV station, which I won't name, mm-hmm. uh, say, hey, can you come on and talk about Me Too? Because we have a lot of, you know, older viewers and they're not understanding that the things that were okay in like 70s, 80s, 90s are not okay now. And I was like, well, I'm going to stop you right there. Mm-hmm. They were never okay. Right. <laughs> Women just didn't have, weren't believed and didn't have any sort of power to interrupt them. And and we're also like talking, I mean, I, I think giving compliments about, about performance rather than appearance and understanding the context that you're in is really, really important. And for the most part, we're not talking about anybody's life ruined over a mischosen compliment. You right, know, like right, that, that, right. that was their point too. They're like, oh, lives are getting ruined. I was like, nobody's life gets ruined because they complimented somebody's shoes. Like right. people were jacking <laughs> off into potted plants in front of people. Like, right. you know, people right. were sticking tongues down ears on the floor of the Oregon Senate. Like right. that's the reason right. lives get ruined. Justifiably. Right. <laughs> right. right. And so maybe that's part of it. I, I, back to your point of like naming things, right? Like name it. Name that your hand was on my butt and it shouldn't have been right. over and over and over again. I don't care that you like my hair. I do care that you think you can touch me whenever you feel like it. Right. So maybe yeah. that's our that's our part too is saying, here here here's my line. This is what you're not gonna do. Um, so I'm I'm totally. on the naming it team. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Love it, Emily. What's... Also, don't touch my hair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let that sit for a second. <laughs> For sure. Uh, Emily, how can folks best support your work? Yeah, so um, so we are a public foundation, which means we are fueled entirely by the generosity of our donors and our members. Anybody can become a member of any gender identity at any level. So if you are jazzed about the work and you care about women, girls, and femmes and tearing down the patriarchy in Oregon, uh, you can visit us at womensfoundation.org. You can also check out um, our Count Her In report, our amazing Count Them In calendar this year, which is celebrating uh, the, the legacy and... Uh, exclusion, not celebrating the exclusion, but combating the exclusion of white women's suffrage. We just had the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, um, which really only gave white women and only a few white women the right to vote. So we produced a weekly calendar that celebrates um, women and femme leaders from communities that were com- intentionally left out of the suffrage movement mm-hmm. um, and the and white women's suffrage. So it's pretty great. It has original um, original drawings and like little blurbs. It's really awesome. So you can order that. Um, we have a community breakfast uh, once a month. Like there are lots of ways to tap in and get involved. But I think mostly on a, on the one day a year that we're allowed to think about women and Just and once. the impl- and the implications of sexism, it really is focusing on those uh, on those daily acts that we can all do to interrupt it and improving our own analysis. Read bell hooks for the love of God. Just read bell hooks and we'll all be saved. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> we might not be safe, but we will be well read. Uh, right. <laughs> we, will, we will know all the times we are messing up. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Again, that's Emily Evans, Executive Director of the Women's Foundation of Oregon.